Yo, this is Sam's Sports Podcast. It is Wednesday, July 26th, 2017. Hello, I'm Sam Rosenberg. How's everybody doing today? Thank you for uh thanks for taking some time out of your day, out of your life. Thank you thank you for spending a chunk of your life that you're never going to get back to listen to me talk about sports. I like I listen, I like talking. I like I like getting on the microphone and speaking with a deep radio voice that just soothes your eardrums. Actually, that was that was a that was a terrible radio voice. That I didn't even have any didn't even ha- didn't even have anything from the diaphragm there. Anyway, I'm going off on a rant. Um, you know, I was just thinking a little bit of what I wanted to talk about. You know, I haven't recorded a podcast in a little over a week. Um, been caught up working on podcast pitches with uh, Fanny Co. and and team, and uh, you know I just you know I was thinking, do I talk about basketball and all these Kyrie Irving trade requests? You know, Kyrie Irving wants out of Cleveland. How ridiculous that is, and you know, the the this continual discussion of you know, do we want to build a super team? Do we not want to build a super team? Do you you know what is the problem with superstars playing with one another? I mean, I guess there's a lot of emotions involved and. Kyrie is, you know, wants to not play in LeBron James's shadow, and now there's this big discussion of where's he going to go? Is Cleveland going to trade him? Are they going to hold on to him? If they do trade him, what team does he go to? Could the Cavaliers conceivably be better if they trade him? I don't know if they will be. Will they be able to get anything worth Kyrie Irving's worth in uh, in return? I don't know, but uh, in the dog days of summer, in the midst of July, when baseball is pretty much the only major sport that's raging right now, we're talking about things like contract extensions in the NBA and uh, Kyrie Irving wanting to be traded, but the real excitement about now is the start of football season. uh, It doesn't start till after Labor Day. And, uh, you know, but there's training camp that's beginning. So training camp is starting, or at least I think it's starting, uh, I think it's starting, yeah, it's training camp is starting this week. Football is, and let's, let's be clear here, no matter how you slice it, amongst all the major sports, football still is the king of the mountain. They make the most money, they dominate the most in media, and they have one of the longest reaches. I don't know, NBA is, is, is very close behind them, but football has one of the, the longest reaches, I think, globally. Uh, than any of these other major sports. I mean, maybe soccer. Soccer's pretty Soccer's pretty darn big. But when you get here to America, the U.S. of A., we like our NFL football, and uh, it's coming back. Um, and with football season comes fantasy football season. That's right. I'm getting excited. I haven't even been thinking about fantasy. Now I'm thinking about it. Now I'm, I'm like, getting the itch. I want to talk about it. I want to get interested in it. I'm, I'm going back into ESPN. You know, Matthew Berry and all those cats, they got these rankings. They're spitting out some very, very, very early rankings, which, you know, it's it's so fascinating football to track it and see it because it truly is a sport that can change on a dime. One injury, one coaching change, you know, one little thing will change the effect of everybody, be it a wide receiver catching more passes because he's playing with a better quarterback or a, run, or a running back performing better because he's playing behind a better offensive line. All of these little idiosyncrasies change the entire landscape of a fantasy football season. Um, so I, I thought it'd be fitting to uh, to welcome back, you know, I, I think the last podcast I did, I did a very brief, you know, I'll be honest, it was a half-assed preview of the NFC East, talking about off-season moves with the Eagles, 
the Redskins, the Giants, and the um, the Cowboys. But, uh, you know, I mean, the news today was that uh, the Eagles finally cut Marcus Smith, that defensive end first-round pick from 2014 who never panned out. And uh, they initially waived Alan Barber uh, on the offensive line, but now I, I see some Bleacher reports saying that they actually traded him to the Broncos for a conditional seventh-round pick. Uh, either way, you know, having a having this much depth at offensive line is is a rare commodity, um, and it's great for the Eagles to have that enough that they can cut ties with Alan Barber, who's been a bit of a mainstay for them on the offensive line the last couple of seasons. Um, uh, and apparently, you know, but they've got Chance Warmack, they've got um, uh, uh, Stefan Wisniewski. I think they gave both of them some pretty good money, and Isaac Samalo, second year. They're really expecting him to be the starter at left guard, and that was, I mean, that was why they were able to uh, cut ties with Barber. But enough of that. Let's jump into fantasy football. So what I wanted to do is I'm sitting here now, and I pulled up the top 200 rankings from uh, ESPN. You know, Matthew Barry, Mike Clay, Tristan Cockroft, Eric Carabell, and Field Yates. Listen, I, I do, I respect these guys. I think that they are pretty darn good at what they do. I'm sure I could pull another site up like NFL.com or Yahoo and get any of these. Listen, I just went ahead and I pulled up ESPN, okay? I, I, it's, they've got some good rankings. The point is, uh, this, this podcast, I'm going to do the first 50. Uh, the first 50 fantasy forecast, as I'd like to call it, um, Maybe I can make that a thing where I'm literally, I'm just going to go down the list of the first 50 guys that I see here. Maybe next podcast will do the next 50. Um, it's a whole smattering of running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, quarterbacks, the whole thing. Although really in the first 50, all we're seeing is running backs and wide receivers, which is the, the lifeblood of a fantasy football league. And of course, your fantasy football team. So I'm just going to go down each player and I'm going to give you my thoughts. Just give you a, a take of what I think this player is going to do this year and if I, in fact, agree with their ranking and, and think it's appropriate. So number one overall pick for the first time in a long time, it is not going to be Adrian Peterson or if way back when LaDainian Tomlinson. Number one right now, all of them are saying uh, Le'Veon Bell of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um yeah, I can, I can agree with that. I Listen, he's a guy who uh, does damage on the ground and in the air. Um, he's going to get his touches. He's a beast. Um, this contract situation with Pittsburgh is not... I don't think it's going to affect his performance. Um, for the first time in several years, he's not going to be suspended. He's not going to miss any time. So you're not going to have to have that D'Angelo Williams handcuff for the first couple of weeks of the season. Um, listen, he's a surefire hit. I think as long as you got Levy and Bell and you're rolling him out there as, as your number one overall pick, you can feel good about that. Feel good about that. Um, number two, and there's not really much I have to say. I do feel you can, I mean, you can have him up there. Now, it looks like they're they're flipping back and forth between Levy and Bell and David Johnson. Now, David Johnson with the Arizona Cardinals, again, another guy who's going to be able to kill you in the air and on the ground. I mean, he could just as easily have a 70-yard you know, screen pass that rips off for a touchdown as much as he could have a 50-yard rushing touchdown where he just breaks the right way and he's gone. Um, if I had to decide between one or the other, I would say Le'Veon Bell is your number one. I think, you know, he just gets a little bit more volume. Both of them get colossal volume. Let's be honest. David Johnson and Le'Veon Bell are going to get colossal volume, be it in the running game. You know they're going to get, you know, lots of touches, both of these teams, you know, those are the workhorse bell cow backs that you know are going to get those touches. Um, the exciting part about them is because they're... Oh, and by the way, um, I'm going off a PPR list. Sorry, sorry. I did not mention that. I'm going off a PPR list. I pretty much play exclusively PPR. 
I mean, that's my take on it. Uh, I'm, I'm not that I don't play non PPR, but I love me some PPR. And Levy and Bell and David Johnson are crucial for that because they get all those receptions because they are so much utilized on their team in the passing game, even if it is a short pass that they get a lot of yards after the catch. Um, but I think from an offensive standpoint, I have a little bit more faith right now in the Steelers' offense. Like, you know, the Cardinals had an amazing season two years ago, but they really sputtered last year. And you saw that two years ago, the Cardinals were very dependent on that long pass and very dependent on making sure that worked. And last year, when they couldn't replicate that consistency, you saw many things in their offense fall apart. And David Johnson was one of the only things that didn't, but still, I just have more confidence in... Pittsburgh Steelers offense being consistent and Levy and Bell getting what he needs to get. Number three on the list is Antonio Brown. I don't mind that. Um, what's amazing has been his production. Um, not just his production, but his consistency. I mean, he's going on something like six or seven straight seasons of these colossally monster numbers. And, you know, we've seen him go up the last couple of years when, you know, I was expecting at some point a plateau or maybe even his numbers dropping off. But, I mean especially just because his numbers have been so astronomically crazy. But I don't see any reason why An Antonio Brown will be slowing down now. I think he's a great bet to put your money on. Uh, go pick him up. Um, certainly going to be a number one overall wide receiver. Number Okay, I'm going to skip. Number four is Ezekiel Elliott, but I'm going to skip over him right now because we're also the next uh, wide receiver is Julio Jones. Now, if I had to pick between Antonio Brown and Julio Jones, who would I go with? You know, actually, I'm probably still going to lean towards Antonio Brown, again, because of the consistency of the Steelers' offense. I know what I'm getting right now. Ben Roethlisberger's going to get trotted right back out there, and he's going to air that ball out like he normally does. Um, whereas the offense in Atlanta, as brilliant as it was, there's still this big question mark of, can they replicate what they did last year without Kyle Shanahan as the offensive coordinator. If, if Sarkeesian comes in, or it, I mean, Sarkeesian's there, but can he create that same offensive explosion? I mean, their numbers were, I mean, they were record-setting, record-setting what they did last year. And, you know, Julio Jones put up colossal numbers even when he was sharing the ball with Mohamed Sanu and Taylor Gabriel. And I just think, listen, I, I think, they're still going to be dominant and Julio Jones is still going to be a major piece, but I just see his numbers coming down a little bit, just a little bit. And I see Antonio Brown's numbers kind of staying where they are. So I do agree that Julio is maybe you're, if, if you've got an option between the two of them, go with Antonio Brown. Now, like I said, I jumped over Ezekiel Elliott. Now uh, Ezekiel Elliott's listed as number three out of the running backs behind Levy and Bell and David Johnson. Now, Listen, I've always been skeptical of drafting rookies, so I stayed away from Zeke last year. He certainly proved me wrong. He was a brilliant rookie. Uh, he deserved the job. And this year, I mean, you got to roll with him. After what he did last year, putting him behind the same offensive line, there's not much of a reason to think he's going to have a sophomore slump. I think as long as he continues to be the bell cow and they give him all that work, I mean – you have to sort of scratch your head, or not scratch your head, but you have to worry a little bit about the changes in the offensive line. You know, Tyron Smith, Zach Martin, Travis Frederick, those guys are key, and they haven't gone anywhere, but the two other random guys, Leary and Doug Free, they're gone. Now you've got new guys on that offensive line. It's, you know, an offensive line, one of the biggest things about them is not just health, but consistency. And you can put some new guys in there. I'm just saying there might be a few hiccups on the offensive line, 
And maybe, you know, Ezekiel Elliott's going to be tested a little bit more this season. He might take a little bit of a step back, especially now that you got more game film on him and all the teams are going to be scheming for what he does. Um, Listen, make no mistake, he's still up there. He's still one of the best running backs in the league. Don't shy away from picking him if he's an option for you. Um, I mentioned Julio Jones, Odell Beckham Jr. Okay, um, I think Odell's performance, his his stats are going to go up. With the addition of Brandon Marshall being able, listen, I think Brandon Marshall is going to feast with Odell Beckham Jr. getting double teamed and drawing looks. Same thing with Sterling Shepard, but he's Odell. He's getting better by the year. He's a guy who finds a way to catch the ball even when he has double coverage, and uh, he's a monster. He was the entire New York Giants offense last year, so I don't see him slowing down at all. I still think he's, you know, a perf- a great pick. I-, I would definitely take Antonio Brown and Julio Jones ahead of him. Um, I just think Odell's got a little bit more of a boomer bust quality to him. He's a he's got a little bit more Deshaun Jackson in him. You know, it's like he needs that one huge catch, but if he doesn't get it, sometimes. You know, he has a forgettable performance. And, and what I mean forgettable, I mean like two catches for 58 yards. It's not often. He doesn't do that as much as like an Andrew Hawkins who just retired. But, you know, he does sort of have, he needs that big play. And if he's getting double coverage, you know, again, that that goes back to, you know, football. Things change. Like, I don't have as much faith in Eli Manning and the offense in New York as I do like in Atlanta and Pittsburgh. Um, either way, he's still Odell Beckham Jr. Next up on the list is Mike Evans. And now I'm going to say the next, the name after him is AJ Green, and I think that's a bit of a bold statement to put Mike Evans ahead of AJ Green, but it's also, but it's also something I don't disagree with because um, I do think I don't think AJ Green has taken a step back. I think that offense has taken a step back. I think Mike Evans and the Buccaneers offense has taken a step forward. You know, he had uh, Vincent Jackson who was playing opposite him. Uh, the last couple of years, but Vincent Jackson lost a step. I think he's going to be out of the league this year, and, you know, he couldn't stay healthy, and, you know, Mike Evans, even when Vincent Jackson wasn't staying healthy and wasn't on the field and was having to essentially, you know, have tight ends like Cameron Brait share receptions with him, he was a target monster who was just getting 13 targets a game, you know, recording 11 receptions. Mike Evans has is slowly getting better and better every year. And while, you know, that's why I agree Evans is sort of on the incline and moving ahead of A.J. Green. And now with the addition of Deshaun Jackson, speaking of which, going out to Tampa Bay to play opposite Mike Evans, that's going to open things up for him. He's going to get more targets. You know, I mean, if, if, if there is anybody who can take the top off a of defense, it's Deshaun Jackson. And Mike Evans will see the benefit of that. And I see Mike Evans' production definitely going up. I like where he's set. I like, the, I like his ranking here. A.J. Green, now, A.J. Green's an amazing receiver as well, but he also has a bit of a boomer bust quality. He's got a little bit of an Odell Beckham in him. Like, if he doesn't get that one huge catch, he might not have a good game. I'm not saying all the time. I'm just saying he might not. And part of the reason I think he's trending downward is because I don't care for that Bengals offense. I think that when they lost Sanu and, um, oh God, who was the other? Oh, uh, uh, Marvin Jones, who went to the Lions. Uh, When they lost them last year, you saw that offense take a serious step backwards. And with Jeremy Hill not getting better every year, Giovanni Bernardi uh, getting hurt, and really missing Tyler Eifert a lot last season hurt them considerably. And listen... Eifert coming back. I like that. Um, you know, but they're sort of trotting out a bit of the same the same guys on offense. You know, you're going to have Bernard. You're going to have Hill. Um, you know, again, Eifert being back out there is going to be big. A.J. Green's going to get his. But again, I don't have as much faith in their offense. 
You know, I think Andy Dalton, listen, I don't think Andy Dalton really takes step back, takes step steps backwards. I think he just eternally plateaus. And uh, I think we're going to see another one of these plateau years from Andy Dalton where you're sort of like, listen, man, are you going to get better? Are you going to get worse? What's happening? We need you to get us over the hump. And it feels like he sort of hit his peak two seasons ago when they went to the playoffs and won the division. And then uh, I think they lost. Who the hell did they lose to? I think it was the Chargers. They got upset by the Chargers at home. Bengals, man. Marvin Lewis just figuring out ways to lose. Anyway, A.J. Green, I still like what he's doing, but I, I just I don't see his numbers increasing. I see them staying exactly where they are. Now, next in line is Jordy Nelson. Now, Jordy Nelson had a hell of a comeback year. Missed that whole season with the ACL tear, but came back and looked pretty darn good. But you could tell it took him time over the course of the season to get better. He definitely needed time to kind of heal and start, to fe- and start feeling healthy uh, before he really came on strong. But he was still dangerous. He still recorded crazy numbers, even in the beginning of the season when he didn't even have, you know, that full getup underneath him. But, you know, it's always tricky. I, lo- I think it's appropriate to rate Nelson where he is because as prolific as, that, as he is as a wide receiver and as that Packers offense is in the passing game, you know, one of the detriments is because Aaron Rodgers is a great quarterback and spreads it around. This is the same problem you have in New Orleans with Drew Brees. You know, Aaron Rodgers, at any given time, Jordy Nelson could have a monster game, or at any given time, Randall Cobb could have the monster game, or uh, Devontae Adams. You know, all of these guys, it's sort of like you got to you gotta pick your poison. It's like, uh, uh, you know, pick your poison, it's, or really, you know, pick your treat. It's like trick or treat. It's like which one of these guys is going to pop off today, and it's like pick door number one, door number two, or door number three. You know, I mean, it's kind of the same issue sometimes with um, Bill Belichick and his running backs. You got no idea who's going to score that game. Uh, So that's sort of the only knock on Jordy Nelson, but still think he's fantastic. Number 10 is LaShawn McCoy on the Bills. Now, McCoy's play last year and his ability to pretty much be one of the main pieces of the offense for the Bills is a reason why I think he's still warranted at this ranking and why he's still relevant. I'm curious to see how things change now that they've gotten rid of Rex Ryan and they've pulled out this coaching staff and they've got, um, oh God, Sean McDermott. Sean McDermott, the uh, former defensive coordinator for the Carolina Panthers and the Philadelphia Eagles one time. Um He's in his head coach. I uh, I don't know exactly how he's going to change the scheme because they Rex Ryan employed a very heavy run game last year. A lot of running from LaShawn McCoy, a lot of running from Tyrod Taylor. I think you're still going to see a lot of running this year as well just because the Bills have one of the nastiest run games in there. But, uh, um, you know, but again, McCoy got hurt. You saw wear and tear really affect... Because there was at one point we were talking about him being an MVP candidate until... You know, he's a running back, one tough hit, and all of a sudden, you know, you're sitting down for a while. That's the only thing you got to really fear with LaShawn McCoy. But when you're talking running backs, it's hard to sort of be convinced of a solid play like him. And he is a guy where, you know, I think I think you can feel comfortable with him as a solid play. Now, next running back on the list is Devontae Freeman. I really asked you a question because who would you pick, uh, LaShawn McCoy or Devontae Freeman? I would actually, I would probably go with Devontae Freeman and I would say because of the excitement of the Falcons offense and health, Freeman's been able listen, he's had injuries, but not like LaShawn McCoy. I think LaShawn McCoy is a little bit of a reckless runner sometimes, and I don't think he's as bulky a runner like a LeGarrette Blunt to take a hit. 
you know, he can, listen, McCoy can take a hit, but if he takes the wrong hit, he misses four or five weeks. And I think Devontae Freeman's going to have a little bit better consistency from a health standpoint. So I would actually go with Devontae Freeman over LaShawn McCoy right there. Now, splashed in between the two of them is T.Y. Hilton, wide receiver for the Colts. Um, you have to feel good about Andrew Luck at least being, I mean, he's on the he's on the pup list right now. He's still got to recover from a couple of surgeries he's had this offseason, but T.Y. Hilton hasn't really, he hasn't been a disappointment. You know, he's not as prolific a fantasy scorer as a Julio Jones or an Odell Beckham, but he's still extremely dangerous. You just have to be willing to put up with those games when he kind of disappears. He'll have a couple of games in the season where he'll have three catches for 77 yards, which won't be that bad, but, you know, you'll be wanting some more. But, you know, T.Y. Hilton, listen, he's a home run hitter, and he's also, there's no other guy you can put ahead of him in Indiana. Um, So that's, yeah, I, I feel okay with that. Now, the next wide receiver on the list is Michael Thomas, and this is actually the first wide receiver I've seen from the Saints, and that's because Brandon Cooks is now a Patriot. Um, but it, it also became clear that Michael Thomas started to be one of Drew Brees' favorites last year, even though he was a, uh, a rookie, and there's a lot of wide receivers in that New Orleans uh, wide receiver core. So again, you kind of need to take all of them with a grain of salt because it's like Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. You don't know who he's going to throw to. He can throw to any of these guys. But I mean, Michael Thomas ended up being pretty consistent last year, and second year in the league, a few more reps with Drew Brees, I mean, that's going to be a safety net. I feel like he's a pretty solid bet there, and it's pretty bold to rank him there because if you've noticed, we haven't mentioned anybody like Des Bryant or Demarius Thomas yet, guys who were ranked as like number four or number five in the last couple of seasons. You know, guys like Michael Thomas are now being pushed ahead of him. Um, But I think that's warranted because I do think Michael Thomas is going to get He's going to get numbers. He's going to get stats this year. Drew Brees liked him last year. I don't think that's going to go anywhere. Now, next on the list is Melvin Gordon. For the Los Angeles Chargers, going to be playing in StubHub Center, this soccer stadium. Now, Melvin Gordon had a pretty forgettable rookie year and then a pretty darn good, pretty darn impressive year last year. I think we're going to see a repeat of that. Um, hopefully, they'll have some more offensive line health. Um, you know, offensive line, they drafted a couple of offensive linemen, uh, in the draft this year, which a great move for the chargers. You've got to protect Phillip rivers. You're only going to have a couple more years of this hall of fame quarterback. And yeah, I said it, I'm saying Phillip rivers is a hall of fame quarterback. Um, you're only going to have a couple more years of him and you got to do what you can to maximize what you have. And with the offensive I mean, they are snake bit when it comes to the offensive line. The Chargers have just always found a way to lose centers, lose offensive linemen. So if this offensive line can stay healthy, I do feel really good about Melvin Gordon breaking out. I mean, he broke out last year, and I'm sort of like, I think now we're seeing a stud. Now we can feel a little bit more confident knowing that he's going to be a monster for them. And I, I really think he's going to trend upward. Speaking of trending upward, let's go to the next guy on the list, Jordan Howard. The uh, rookie, um, uh, rookie running back for the Chicago Bears last year, who took over the job from Jeremy Langford. Yeah, that was a miss on my part. I gave Jeremy, I drafted Jeremy Langford thinking he was going to be the starter. He lost his job in week two to Jordan Howard, who was a pretty bruising rusher. Um, I think uh, he was a good fit for Chicago. He'll still be a good fit for Chicago. He's one of the only real decent parts of their offense last year after Jay Cutler was hurt and everything pretty much fell apart. Um, but, uh, you know, I feel very positive about him this year. 
And, you know, Mike Glennon, it's looking like he's going to be the quarterback in uh, Chicago. And I think Glennon hasn't proven himself as a starter yet, and he's going to lean on a guy like Jordan Howard. He's going to need a solid running back to kind of be able to check it down, hand it off. You know, hopefully Jordan Howard is able to pick up the blitz. If he's not, this is going to be a very ugly, you know, relationship between the two of them very quickly. Um, But I do think Jordan Howard is trending upward and deserves to be there. Now, next on the list is Des Bryant. Des Bryant, um, okay, he was injury issues last year, has not truly lived up to the contract he signed yet. And, you know, it's it's a little insulting when you see guys like Terrence Williams and... um, uh oh god uh Beasley Cole Beasley um putting up solid numbers right in the same realm as Des Bryant because you're expecting Des to be your Antonio Brown like whereas you've got your Sammy Coates and your Martavis Bryant and your Marcus Wheatons and your other guys playing with Antonio Brown you really want to have Des Bryant you know shining much brighter than the other guys out there and we didn't see too much of it last year we saw some of it some of it. It started to come. The chemistry between he and Prescott came on better later in the season, but um, I think we wanted more of it before then. So, uh, you know, I'm curious to see what's going to happen. I think Dez is the type of guy with a full training camp and knowing that Prescott is going to be his quarterback and knowing that this guy is going to be his quarterback who's going to get him the rock, then you know what? There's going to be a trend upward. So, you know, I think it's generous to sort of list him here just because of the inconsistency, but I I don't think it's inappropriate to list him there. Next on the list is DeMarco Murray. DeMarco Murray, who salvaged his career last year with the Tennessee Titans, also the Tennessee Titans trending upward this year. Um, I really like all the things the Titans did last year and that they did this year to move forward. I think that it's been a very positive step for them. And uh, DeMarco Murray was a big part of that. You know, they had a lot of running backs. They they did a lot with them. Oh, God. Uh, 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 Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry was a big move for them as well. Um, but DeMarco really showed that um, his year in, 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 his year in uh, Dallas behind that amazing offensive line was not a fluke, and his year in Philadelphia was certainly a fluke. Um, I actually think he's a little low on this list. Uh, you know, and that's sort of the LaShawn McCoy in me, because at one point, McCoy and DeMarco Murray were two of the most solid running backs last year. And, you know, I think their age and their track record and the wear and tear on their bodies is what's driving them a little lower here. Now, whereas McCoy was placed above the rookies and the young guys, DeMarco Murray's been shuffled down a little bit. And I I think that's a bit of a tough knock, especially because he gets some good PPR work. Marcus Mariota got him the ball in the air. Um, and I think he's a guy, he's a smart player. You know, there were some plays where Marcus Mariota would be stuck and DeMarco Murray was the guy who bailed him out. So I actually think DeMarco Murray should be ranked a little bit higher. Um, I would put him above a Jordan Howard Uh, and, and probably (coughs) I wouldn't put him above Melvin Gordon, but I put him above Jordan Howard. Uh, next is Jay Ajayi. Now, listen, I think Ajayi is a stud. Well, to a point he, he had those 200 yard games. It, It was amazing, but he also, there was consistency after those games before at the beginning of the season, they, they weren't even trusting him. And this is not like his rookie year. Like he had a season to sort of, you know, to foster some discontent with the with the Dolphins organization. But now, you know, he is the starter. I just, I don't know how much he's going to be able to replicate that type of performance from last year. So, 
I mean, the next guy on the list is Lamar Miller with the Houston Texans. I mean, I would probably... I, I would still probably take a Jaya ahead of Miller. I think Jaya just has... He's got more of a home run hit in him. He's got more of a punch than, uh, than Lamar Miller. Uh, next on the list is Amari Cooper. Now, I actually think... This is probably good because I think Cooper is is prime for a breakout year. I would probably list Cooper even ahead of Des Bryant, um, maybe even ahead of T.Y. Hilton because I think this Der- uh, Derek Carr, the Raiders, this these guys are going to burn defenses down, and um, you know, uh, and uh, he's going to burn defenses down. And I think Amari Cooper, they've been asking him to kind of step up and really take the you know take you know take his spot and. Um, I think he's been bouncing. He's been, you know, he's been answering the bell. And uh, this, uh, you know, the Oakland team—they're only going to be in Oakland for a couple more years. But this Raiders offense, this was the reason. I mean, they were storming the gates last year, and they can—they only got to be taken a step forward. They pretty much maintained most of that. Um, you know, they—they they shored up pieces of the offensive line. I mean, this offense is going to come back with a vengeance next year, and I think Amari Cooper is going to be a big part of it. Uh, next on the list is Gronk. That's our first tight end of the list. It's appropriate. Gronk is Gronk. He's got all of the pluses and minuses that come with Gronk. Like he's going to be amazing. He's going to be awesome, but he's also going to miss probably five games this season. So I've learned as being someone who has drafted Gronk in the past, um, with every Gronk draft, you, you comes a grain of salt. There, you know, there could there's an injury. He plays all out, and with that comes injuries and 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 hamstrings and soft tissue things. But he's also a monster who's going to be able to play through it. So you, I mean, take it or leave it. It's still I don't. Although with the inconsistency at the tight end position, I don't know if there's anybody who you can really rank ahead of Gronk at the number one tight end. Um, okay. At this point in time, understanding that I'm 30 minutes into this podcast and I can clearly talk about all of these players, I'm officially moving this from a 50 person to a 25 person because I'm getting tired and I got to take a breather. All right, five more guys to mention, or really, yeah, five more guys to mention. Number 21, Lamar Miller, as I just mentioned. I think he's going to do fine in Houston. Um, he'll probably get a heavier workload because, listen, Houston still hasn't really established their quarterback. Is it going to be Tom Savage or is it going to be Deshaun Kaiser? Um, or excuse me, uh, Deshaun Foster. Oh, shit, I got to check this. Hang on. Sorry, sorry. Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson. I just, I'm getting my Deshauns mixed up. Uh, so, you know, is it going to be Watson? Is it going to be, you know, Tom Savage? We don't know yet. And I think that, you know, uh, Bill O'Brien's leaning towards Savage. I think they like Savage. They really want to give him the rock. But listen, as Savage might be better than Brock Osweiler, but I still don't think Savage has really earned or shown the 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 football world that he can be a starter for a Super Bowl contending team for 16 games. Uh, so you got to go into that thinking there is some uncertainty with. Um, the offense there in Houston, and specifically the quarterback, and that's why I think Lamar Miller is going to get—he's going to get a lot of touches. There's going to be a lot of moments where they're going to need him to bail them out, or they're going to need him to run all over the place. And I think that's going to be a benefit for them. And I like Lamar Miller's placing. Now, next on the list is Alshon Jeffrey. I was wondering when Alshon Jeffrey was going to show up because this is a—he's—he's he's the number one receiver for the Eagles. Uh, he left Chicago, um, signed this one-year deal with the Eagles. I like it. There's a lot of optimism, a lot of optimism right now regarding Alshon Jeffrey and 
Carson Wentz, you know, sort of growing. This this feeling of the Eagles had a bunch of shitty wide receivers last year, and now this year they brought in Alshon Jeffrey, they brought in Torrey Smith to be your home run hitter, and, uh, you know, they still have Jordan Matthews to be your possession slot guy, and they're thinking that Wentz is really going to take a step forward, and they're saying Jeffrey's going to be the beneficiary. I'm an Eagles fan, I'm a homer, I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say he's a monster, I think he's a physical specimen, I know he's had all these injury issues and suspensions, he pretty much... You know, he pretty much ran himself out of Chicago. I can see that. But he's still a talent. And this maybe a change of scenery, new offense, new coaches, new organization might be exactly what he needs. I think taking a step forward is in the cards for him. And maybe and that could also just be me being wishful thinking. Um, 23 is Demarius Thomas. Now, Demarius Thomas, his slide down the list is appropriate. I still think he's an amazing talent. But... You know, again, uncertainty in the quarterback situation in Denver. As soon as Peyton Manning left, you know, Trevor Simeon was pretty good last year. You know, Paxton Lynch was was not that good. He was he was okay. I think he was better than Jared Goff, but he was okay. He was okay. And I thought Simeon wasn't that bad. I thought Simeon did a pretty decent job. But the point is, there was some inconsistency and some average quarterback play. And one of the biggest sort of you know, sufferers was Demarius Thomas. You know, Emmanuel Sanders got caught up in that. He definitely was suffering as well. He probably was a bigger beneficiary, though, than Demarius Thomas because Thomas drew double teams and Simeon couldn't really get him the ball. Uh, So that's, an and with the continuing quarterback question mark with the Denver Broncos, yeah, you've got to feel like Demarius Thomas should still be ranked pretty low on the list. And I mean, I haven't even gotten to Emmanuel Sanders yet. Next on the list is DeAndre Hopkins. Now, I'm just going to say I think this is too low for Hopkins. I think Hopkins should be above Demarius Thomas. Um, it's tough for me to say that I would put him above Des Bryant or Amari Cooper or Alshon Jeffrey, but I definitely think Hopkins deserves to be higher. This guy was a monster two years ago, and the Brock Osweiler situation killed his fantasy football value. And let's not forget that two years ago, He was catching the ball from four different quarterbacks, four different quarterbacks, all of them shit stains, and he put up monster numbers. So I truly think that a big reason for his regression last year was Brock Osweiler alone. So that's why I'm saying sleeper. DeAndre Hopkins is too low. He's a sleeper. I think he's going to come back to where he was. I think whether it's Watson or um, Tom Savage, even though these guys are not that good, and even though I was saying earlier I don't have as much faith in the offense or the consistency of the quarterback, I have a lot of faith in DeAndre Hopkins' ability to produce and put up crazy numbers with a bad quarterback, and I truly think that last year was an anomaly for him with Brock Osweiler. I think that with Savage and Watson behind center, DeAndre Hopkins, as long as they throw him the ball, even last year when Savage came under, even when Savage stepped in for uh, Brock Osweiler for those couple of games before he got hurt, immediately Hopkins started to perform because Savage threw him the fucking ball. He at least got him the ball. Just get, just throw it to him. And DeAndre Hopkins, you know who he is? He's a guy <clears throat> who goes and gets it. Go get it. He goes and gets it, man. I think Hopkins is ranked too low in this list. Finally, I'm going to end today's podcast with the number 25 on the list, Todd Gurley. Holy fucking shit. Todd Gurley, I mean, this was a guy who was ranked as like the top number two running back last year, and the Rams organization found a way to completely just destroy his fantasy football value and his real-time football value. I mean, 
This was one of the healthiest teams in the league last year, and he couldn't go anywhere. They, I mean, Case Keenum and Jared Goff were, were atrocious. They produced no passing game for him. They, I mean, every single team they played just stuffed the box, and Gurley couldn't go anywhere. And it makes you look back at his rookie year, and you look at his rookie year, and you realize that he had a lot of long runs in his rookie year. And you know what? All of a sudden, numbers look amazing when... Yeah, if you had 90 yards rushing and you realize one of them was a 72-yard run, you take that one run out, all of a sudden your numbers look pedestrian. So I think Todd Gurley coming back down to this ranking is appropriate. I still think he's ranked a little too high. I don't really think the Rams are going to be that good, and I don't know if they're going to be able to get give him any room to move at all. So I would probably pick a few other running backs before I pick him. Okay, that's it. I clearly started this podcast not knowing what to talk about, and then I ended up talking about the first 25 fantasy football guys here, and turns out I can still talk an awful lot of fantasy because I've already been clicked, wow, 36 and a half minutes. Uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for taking time out of your day. Thank you for spending a chunk of your life talking fantasy football with me today. So uh, this has been the top 25. Maybe I'll come back soon with the next 25. Um, I love you guys. Thanks for listening to Sam Sports Podcast. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Uh, like my Facebook page, Sam Sports Station. Follow me on Twitter at SmithFaceJones. Follow me on Instagram at Sam's Sports Station. Uh, thank you again to Don Kinian for the Sam Sports Podcast theme music. I'm trying out a little bit of a new one. He just uh, created a new clip, so we got a little bit of a new beginning theme music. And um, yeah, post something on my Facebook page. Reach out to me. Tell me what you think about the podcast. I'd love to hear from you. And uh, in the meantime, listen, enjoy July, enjoy the summer, enjoy the heat, and uh, get ready because football season's almost here. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.